Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. been doing a series. We don't normally preach together like this. I would like to, but she's not a fan. So uh, we do this, especially every year, usually in the month of February, we try to do a, a series on family and relationships. And we're calling it What Happy Couples Know. And this comes from, like I said, some material we found and some uh, just life experiences, some different books. Uh, we're going to share a little bit from a book with you today. Uh, but we're doing this not because we're experts, because we're not. We're all learning just like you guys, right? But relationships are work. And whether you're married and you say, yeah, this is really applicable to my life right now, or maybe you're single and you want to be married someday, now is the time to get yourself ready. How many of us wish we'd have done that earlier in our lives, before we were married, right? So we were a little more ready for our spouse. If you're uh, single again and you're looking to hopefully be married someday, uh, this is for you. And if you say, I never want to be married again, ever, 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 that's okay. God can use you to pour into younger marriages. How many of you know we need help? We all need help in these areas. And I know Amy and I have gone to other couples that have been down the road and say, what did you do in this when you had kids this age? What did you do here? So it's a huge help. So we're talking about what happy couples know. And so we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. I'm going to set this up just for you a little bit before we get there. There's a story about a guy who hadn't been in church in years. He loved to fish. And so on Sunday mornings during the summer, he would fish. In the winter, he would ice fish. That was kind of his quiet time. And he started showing up at church regularly. So the pastor went up and said, hey, it's been so good to see you in church lately. Thank you for being faithful. And I said, well, it all came down to a choice. I could listen to your sermon or I could listen to my wife's, and I would rather hear yours. So <laughs> we know that we all have someone at home who can share with us if you're married. And so we're going to kind of continue this series today. We've, we've talked the last couple weeks about hopes and dreams and desires, Right? We said that all of us come into relationship with these things. You know, how many kids do I want to have when I get married? How, how do I want to organize my family? How do I want to do holidays? Where are we going to spend holidays? How are we going to do finances? Are, are we going to be savers? Are we going to be spenders? Are we going to have a budget? We all come to marriages with these expectations, right? Their hopes, dreams, desires, things we found. Uh, how many hours are we going to work? Where are we going to live? Are we going to buy a house? Are we going to rent? And then when we meet someone, we hand them all these hopes and dreams and desires, but to our spouse, they feel like what? Expectations. I expect this out of you. And when two different expectations come together, what happens? There's friction. Sometimes it's a little friction. Sometimes it's a lot of friction. Sometimes that friction causes a nuclear explosion, right? So, I mean, there's all different things happen when we do this. And so, and guys, here's what happens. When we start having expectations, when I give my spouse all my expectations and she gives me all of hers, if we don't come to an agreement, you know what starts to happen? It becomes transactional. I'll do what you want, but you're going to do what I want. So you got to go spend money on this, and now I get to go buy this. Or we did this with your family last year, so now we're going to do this with my family this year. And it, it becomes this transaction type thing, this give and take. And instead of having harmony, we have what? Debt and debtor. And it's hard to have intimacy. It's hard to have trust when you have a debt-debtor relationship. So those things are tough. And so what usually happens is the person who's the best negotiator usually what? Wins. 
And I love this line. Andy Stanley said this years ago. He said, when someone wins, the relationship loses. When someone wins, the relationship loses. It is it's so true. And what happens when you're on the losing end over and over and over again? You start to become a little bit bitter, a little bit jaded, and your relationship suffers. And guys, the very best thing we can do for our family, if we want to have kids, the best thing we can do for our kids is have a great relationship, to have a great marriage. Because our kids take that into their future. And a lot of our hopes and dreams and expectations and desires came from our parents. Maybe it's what we learned good for them, or maybe what we said, I don't ever want to do that. So these things are super important. And we bring these hopes and dreams and desires into relationships. It's unavoidable. And guys, there are some really tangible ones, and then there's some intangible expectations. We want to be respected, especially men. We want to be respected. Women want to be protected. They want to be loved. They want to be shown affection. They want these things. Uh, they want to be trusted. We all want to be trusted. We want to be pursued. We want to be prioritized. How many of you want to compete with your spouse's job for their attention? Not many. Now, some guys say, well, you know, if she did that, I could go fishing more. That might be okay. But not usually. Guys, there's a great book. If you like to read, there's a great book called His Needs, Her Needs by a man named Harley. It was a game changer. We read it in our premarital counseling, and we talk about it with couples that we do premarital counseling with. And if you have Right Now Media, which all of you do because our church pays for that, the series is on there. You can watch it with your spouse at home. You can do your own little marriage retreat. You can even go get a hotel room and watch it there and, you know, hey, we're on vacation, even if you're in the same town. It, it works. It ha- it's a little weird, but it works. So, so we've said to keep this from, sorry, keep this from doing this. I'm used to having the whole thing myself. I spread out. So to keep our marriage from turning into a debt-debt relationship, a transactional relationship, we've talked about two things that we have to do. The first thing, the very first week we said, we have to get to the point where we say, my spouse owes me what? Nothing. But I owe them everything. We've talked about that. If we have to make that choice. And then last week we talked about the fact that we have to practice mutual submission. I have to submit my hopes and dreams and desires and look out for hers. And if she looks out for mine, we're looking out for each other. And we don't have this transaction because we're giving. So Peter gives us this great example, this great advice. Peter was a disciple. He was one of the guys that was with Jesus when he was on earth. Peter was one of the inner circle. Peter kind of had a big mouth, got himself in trouble sometimes. But he was one of Jesus' very close friends. And afterwards, he became one of the founders of the church. Him and Paul really helped out. Peter went to the Jews, and Paul went to the Gentiles. And so they were leaders in the church. And so Peter takes this advice that kind of the same track that Paul gave us last week, but he goes about it in a little different angle. And this is kind of hard. So you're going to love this. First Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 5. Look what Peter says. Now, he's applying this to other relationships, but it works in marriage as well. First Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 5, he says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. He's talking to younger men and women in the church. And then he says this, All of you dress yourselves in what? Humility. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the what? Humble. There's that word again. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. So he says if we want to have a great relationship with people in the church, if we want to have a great relationship at home, we have to clothe ourselves with 
humility. So, now some of you are saying, I don't want to do that. I don't, I, I don't want to do that. Sorry, you were going to read that verse, weren't you? Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to share. So, let's talk about some unhealthy options. So, when we have these desires, if we don't want to humble ourselves, what are some unhealthy ways we can ignore this? Some unhealthy options. Well, the first one is just to ignore it. If we come into a relationship and our spouse isn't meeting our needs, we can ignore our wants and our needs and our desires. Now, what happens when we ignore problems? Do they get fixed? No. They what? They grow and they build and they fester. And eventually they're going to come out and they're going to come out in the most unhealthy way possible. Guys, we see so many people that get divorced. You know what they say the reason is? Incompatibility. I'm incompatible with my spouse. I just can't do it. And we said a couple weeks ago, compatibility is not something you find. It's something you build. We build compatibility. We learn compatibility. So ignoring problems leads to unhealthy relationships. And marriages with unfulfilled desires and ignored needs are no fun. They're no fun. In that book we talked about, His Needs, Her Needs, he says, if we go into a relationship and we're not meeting our spouse's needs, guess what they're going to do? They're going to find them somewhere else. They're going to go somewhere else to get those needs met, and it's not going to be you. And that's how affairs happen. Nobody wakes up and says, I think I'm just going to cheat on my spouse today. I think I'm going to ruin my marriage. No. They come from unmet needs. So when we don't receive, that relationship dies. And eventually it becomes either a divorce or a cohabitation. And guys, we're seeing so many people nowadays getting divorced after the age of 50. And you know why it is? Because their entire marriage was built on their kids. They never mutually submitted. They never gave one another. And eventually they just, they kind of drift apart. And we don't want that for any of us. So we can't ignore them. It's my turn. It's your turn. (laughs) So one of the things that we tend to do um, when we're looking for just satisfaction in other places is we tend to find things that we can get involved with that keep us out of our house. So whether it's working more hours at work or maybe it's finding a hobby that you have, hobbies and time away from your spouse is not a bad thing. We always tell couples, like when we're doing premarital counseling, you have to have things that you do together, but you also have to give your spouse the okay to do things without you. It's healthy to go out for coffee with a friend or go golf with a friend or play tennis with friends, go fishing. All of these things that we're talking about are healthy for you to do. They just can't be the thing, your go-to thing when you're having issues in your relationship. And so that's one thing like we really try to talk about when we're helping couples in premarital counseling or later in life, whatever it is, like you just have to find that healthy balance. And so a lot of those things, you know, if your spouse, if you're home by yourself and your spouse is out always doing these things, it's just a good time to check and say, you know, Are we healthy? Where is our marriage at? And trying to make sure that we're not just filling that void with all of those things that can be healthy if we're in a healthy marriage. So we can ignore those needs that aren't being met. We can stay busy outside the home. Or here's what a lot of people do. We go to try to find someone else. And if you're married, is this a good option? (laughs) No. It's a horrible option. Now, if you're dating and you're not married yet, and you're saying, you know what, I just don't think this is working. Maybe that's a red flag saying it's time to push pause. Maybe it's time to get out. And we always tell people when we're doing premarital counseling, you're not married yet. (laughs) If this is going to be unhealthy, get out now because you're not in that commitment yet. 
But sometimes we try to find someone else. And so, you know, maybe it's okay if you're not married. But if you're married, you've accepted that person as yours forever. You can't go find someone else. But here's what people do. Well, my spouse doesn't understand me. We hear that a lot. They just don't understand me. They don't get it. Well, help them understand, right? Talk about it. But what they do is they go find someone else to meet those needs. And when you go bail on one relationship to go to another, are you saying, I want to be that person's best friend. I want to, I want to submit to them and, and meet all their needs? No. What are we saying? I want somebody to take the stuff out of my box that I gave my spouse they're not doing. They're going and trying to find someone else to get their needs met. It's not healthy. And here's the thing. I know this is really deep. But whenever you go and you go to another relationship, what do you take with you? All of your baggage and all of your problems. Wherever you go, you're still there. So your half of the problems in your marriage are going to another relationship. You're just dumping them on somebody else. So I know that's deep, you know, but my problems follow me around. We see this. So this is not a good thing. And when those old feelings pop back up, you know, people say, what's exciting? I had a lady one time actually called me at the church and said, Pastor, and she went to another church in town, and she didn't like what her pastor told her. So she called me because she knew me from around town. She said, you know, I, I, my, my spouse just doesn't understand me, and I want to go find someone else. Is that okay? And I said, no. She said, well, you should pray about it. I said, I don't have to pray about it. This tells me this is not okay. And she got mad and hung up, um, and so she probably went to another one. But she was looking for help somewhere else. No, when we, instead of ignoring the problem, instead of just being busy and trying to cover it up, we need to fix the issue. Take time. Talk to your spouse. And guys, I'll tell you, it was a game changer for me when I read these verses that said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Clothe yourself in humility. I had to start looking out for her needs above my own. And you know what happened when I did that? It made our marriage better. And she was doing that for me. And so it was this great circle. You know, that's why when we get married, we give each other a ring, right? A ring is a a symbol of that. I love her like Christ loved the church. I submit to her. I clothe myself with humility. And she does the same thing. It goes in circles and it comes back. So we have to understand that going and looking for someone else to meet these needs is not the answer. And I know people who are married to one person and getting their needs met by somebody else. That's not healthy. That's not good for us. So we have to find that in our spouse. And we're going to talk about how to do that here in a minute. And just a side note, if you're dating someone who's been previously married, you need to give it time. Don't rush. Because if they're, they've been married before, guess what they're bringing? All that baggage from that relationship. So give yourself time. And I, and I know um, some churches, they have a, a policy. If you're doing a second marriage, they have to date for two years before you can do that marriage. And they said, why is it two years? I said, well, because we can't make you wait five. <laughs> but you should. Give yourself time to get to know that person, to get all that stuff worked out into the open. So going to a new relationship doesn't take care of it. So, so what are some healthy solutions? If you're in a relationship, you say, my needs are not being met by my spouse. I'm sorry, I drank really strong coffee this morning. I'm a little wired up. But <laughs> I'm very passionate about this, guys, because I want marriages to work. I want marriages to be healthy. Because when our marriages are healthy, our kids are healthy, and then their new marriage can be their marriage down the road. So what are some healthy solutions? Less coffee. Less coffee. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's bad. You cut me off at half. (laughs) 
Um, so one of them is we must act with humility towards our spouse and significant other. And I thought this was interesting. It's saying like, you know, we think about like wearing an apron when we're cooking is kind of to protect ourselves. But it was actually kind of a sign of servanthood. You know, I'm going to put on this apron and I'm going to serve you and take care of you and help you. And so it's just that active way of showing servanthood. And so we really have to do that for each other. We have to humble ourselves within our marriage to serve each other and help each other. And then um, when we get into situations, we have to ask, like, what would a humble person do? You know, we always think about what would Jesus do? And that's like always been a popular saying, what would Jesus do? But we really have to think about when we get in those tough situations, like, what would a humble person do? And then we have to almost, there's those situations we almost have to force ourselves to do it. Because being humble isn't always easy. Um, And so in order to become a humble person, we have to practice humility. So Peter says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we have to resist being entitled just as the same way that God does. So what does pride look like in a marriage? Pride is always having to be first, always having to be right, always having to have it my way. And so to bring humility into our relationship, we have to sometimes go, okay, how does this make that person feel? Or what does this look like in our relationship? And sometimes we can't always get our way. We have to let the other person have their opinion in what they say. So God gives grace, undeserved favor to the humble. When we go last, we put our spouse first. So it's an invitation for God to give us the strength to do what we need to do. We try to teach our kids that. Like being a servant means that you go last. You know, you serve others, and then you sit and you eat. Or then you do whatever you need to do. And that's how it has to be in our marriage. We have to make sure, if we're both making sure that our spouse is taken care of before we worry about ourselves, then really in all reality, we're both being taken care of and fitting each other's needs. So when we rely on God's grace and live in humility, our relationship is in the safest place possible. If I can put myself, or myself, no, that's opposite. If I can put my husband before myself and meet his needs, then that brings that safety net around our relationship because then he trusts me and I trust him. And so you might be saying, well, I'm not really a humble person. You know, that doesn't really apply to me. How do you become a humble person? You do humble things. If you act like a humble person, you will eventually become a humble person. And this is so, what Amy is saying is so countercultural today. Because everything in our society is about who? Me. Me, me, me. Look at Facebook and Instagram. What is it all? Selfies. I mean, it's just all the time. It's all about me. And why do we do that? Because I want that feedback. I want people to say, oh, you look so good. Your hair looks so good. You know, you, it's all about me. But in marriage, it has to be about them and about us. And it's such a change. And if you're dating, it needs to be about you together, not about just getting your needs met. And that's why we see people who are, we call them serial daters, not serial, like, but serial, like, one to another. Why do people bounce from one relationship to another? Because it's all about me. And so if you're dating someone and they've had a whole lot of boyfriends or girlfriends in the past, you need to take a real good look at that. 
because there could be some real red flags there. Because if I can't get along with other people, it usually has a problem with me. And so we have to look for that. And so like Amy said, when we ask God for help, it's, it's opening our marriage up. And when I act with humility, it's inviting God in to give me the strength. So we have to act with humility. And that's why Peter said, clothe yourself with humility. And then we have to pray real, honest prayers for, about our marriage. Guys, we have to go to God because he's the only one that's going to help us do that. If you go to one of these Weekend to Remember conferences, they tell, pray for your spouse. And not just, oh, Lord, help my spouse. I mean, really pray, intercede for your spouse. Because this world is going to attack your marriage at every turn. Everybody is out to destroy your marriage. And so those temptations are everywhere. So Peter says, give your worries, give your cares to the Lord. The NIV says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for him. What is casting? Well, if you're fishing, you know, it's this. Or it's throwing. Peter's basically saying, throw all your cares on the Lord because he cares about you. And so that works for every area of life, but it also works in marriage, right? Lord, my spouse is driving me crazy today. Would you please help them? Would you please? Don't pray for patience because <laughs> God will use your spouse to teach you patience. But pray for, pray for your spouse. And, and casting is this active term. Casting our cares on God is an act of the will. Instead of brooding about it or going to my best friend and saying, oh, she's at it again or he's at it again, Talk to God about your spouse. Pray a real honest prayer. It's an active term. Tell him your frustrations. Tell him what's going on. And, and these don't have to be flowery prayers. They just have to be honest prayers. And it's so easy just to kind of throw up a quick prayer, you know, Lord, would you bless my spouse today? But really take time to pray for him. Because, guys, God is the one who's going to fix our marriage. It takes us and it takes him. And so there's this great example in Psalm 55. This is David talking to the Lord about one of his friends. Listen to what he says and see if you think this is honest. In Psalm 55, 12, David said, It's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it's you, my equal, my companion, my close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Let death stop my enemies. <laughs> Let the grave swallow them alive. I love David's imagery in these things. For evil makes his home within them, but I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Listen to this. Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me. God, who has ruled forever, will hear me and humble them. And then there's this interlude. And then he says, for my enemies refuse to change their ways. They don't fear God. As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. You ever felt that way with your spouse sometimes? There's war in their heart. And you know, I know sometimes we feel that way, but sometimes, guys, marriage is hard. Marriage is tough. And why can our spouse hurt us so bad? Because they're our closest friend. And that's what David was talking about. He says, my very best friend betrayed me. So he goes on and he says, um, give your burdens to the Lord. And he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. But you, O oh God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Don't pray that for your spouse. But <laughs> murderers and liars will die young, but I am trusting you to save me. Guys, David was praying a really honest prayer about being hurt by one of his best friends. And when our spouse hurts us, usually it's unintentionally. They don't wake up in the morning, I'm going to, you know, it's, it's an unintentional thing. 
But we can go to the Lord and say, God, this hurts. This, this is hard. I know this is your idea. I know marriage is your idea. I know this person is one that you sent for me, but this is hard. And so David said, I prayed morning, noon, and night for this. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, God, my spouse is being stupid. Help me. No, that's not an honest prayer. That's, God, would you bless them? Because how do we know when we've forgiven someone? When we can pray that God blesses them. Lord, would you bless them? I know we had a hard day today. I know this is tough, but Lord, would you bless them? And it's really hard to, to be mad at somebody when you're praying for them. It's really hard to be hold bitterness in our heart when we're praying for God to bless our spouse, isn't it? So prayer brings our relationship to God. It opens the door for God to work in them, and it also works in us. And a lot of times when I'm praying for her, you know what God does? Shows me where I've been messing up. And so it helps God change me too. So we keep talking about how when we receive our spouse, our significant other, how that is um, God's gift to us. God's given us that. And so we talk about how so many times people say, we're just not compatible anymore. Well, we have to start looking at our spouse as that gift. You don't want to return a gift, right? Like God, uh, just take this back. We want to take that gift and let God bless us through that relationship. And so, like you said, just praying for one another is huge. You know, I, I have, like, there's times I work really early in the morning, but I don't leave my house even at 4 o'clock in the morning if my husband has not prayed over me. So I will wake him up. I'm going to work, and he wakes up, and he prays. we pray for each other before we walk out of the house because it's just it wouldn't seem right if we had not prayed over each other before we started our day. And so that's something really like every day. Thank you, God, for my spouse. And it's one thing when I pray it quietly to God, but when I can verbally, like, out loud pray it over him and he hears that and I hear that every morning, then it's huge. It's really, you know, a big deal. And I remember one time I left the house, like, in a hurry, and he called me. He's like, we didn't pray. And I was like, oh, no, this day just started out bad, you know. So we, um, so that's really important to just thank God every day for that gift and look at our spouse as that gift. Um, so we have to commit to, um, with our spouse, um, we have to commit to contentment with our spouse. This doesn't mean that we excuse sin or destructive behavior, but it means we accept our spouse as who they are. So we should be that first one to keep our besides God, to keep our spouse accountable for actions and to help them and encourage them in their walk. But we also have to be able to give that grace and be able to accept them for who they are. Some things that might irritate us might be huge, and it might be destructive and bad for our marriage, but there might be other things that we just have to accept. That's how they are. That's how God created them, and that's how God created me. And just like there's things that might bother me that he does, we've got past the toilet seat thing in the first year of marriage. But even though there's things that do, there's also, I have to realize, like, there's things that I do that are going to irritate him. So we have to give each other grace and work together with that. Affirmation makes, makes a beautiful more beautiful. Contempt increases the hurt and reinforces the weakness and the character traits that we, um, we actually want to see die. You grow contempt or you grow cherish. Why wouldn't you want to grow cherish? That's what Gary Thompson said in his book, Cherish. And so that word cherish is a big deal. It's not something we use a lot anymore, is it? 
You know, you don't go up and say, I cherish our friendship. You know, that's just, that's weird. <laughs> Women do that. Guys don't do that. You know, I, that would just be odd, you know. But cherish is something that we do with our spouse. And cherish means I accept them for who they are, and I love them for who they are. And I thank God for them. And I know, you know, when I was single, I was in high school. We went on this mission trip to the Olympics in 1996. I am that old. And we went out, yeah, and we went out to this. And I remember sitting there. I was a senior in high school. I was just graduating, and I was looking for that one, you know, that one girl for me. And this guy sat down with me, and he said, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. The only thing worse than being single is being married to the wrong person. And I said, oh, that's good. You know, it took me a few minutes. And he said, don't be in a rush. Find the right person. But then here's the thing. You know, we always look for that one for us, you know, and we, we look for the halo and the sunlight and the, oh, when we see them. That doesn't always happen, does it? But what happens when I pick this person, I walk down the aisle with them, and I stand in front of God, and I say, this is the one I, I receive you. What does that mean? They are now the one for me. They are God's pick for me because I chose them. And I have to look at them every day as God's gift to me. And sometimes you think, God, are you sure? You know, but, but then the longer you're married, not her. <laughs> she did that with me a lot, I think, when we first got married. Like, why did I pick this knucklehead? But the longer you're married, the more you see that. The more you're married, the more you see that they really are God's gift to you. And whether you like them or not at that moment, whether you feel good about it or not at that moment, they're still God's person for you. They're God's person for me. And so, like she said, every day we pray. We pray over our kids. We pray over each other. And we, I, I make sure we say that every day. Lord, thank you for them because they are God's gift to us. And so when I start looking at Amy as God's gift to me, it's a lot harder to be contemptful, contemptuous of them, right? It's a lot harder to stay mad at them. It's a lot harder to look at them and think, ugh, you know, I don't do that anymore. I didn't do that ever, but I make sure she says that. Never. I never did that. Because she's God's gift. And I know there are days like she gets really irritated with me. Why do you have to have the motorcycle taken apart in the garage again? Why are you, you know, why are you doing this? You know, why are, I know, right? It's why, why is there a motor in my living room? You know, why, whatever. Why are there, but we choose them as God's gift. And so that's the biggest thing. If you get anything else out of today's message, please hear me. We have to act with humility, and we have to receive them as God's gift. And we work at that. We work at that all the time. We work at that with our spouse, and we look at them and say, you know what? And I had, I'm just going to give you this. I, I've told you before, but we had this professor who did our premarital counseling, and he told us, and we had a couple of a couples he was doing premarital counseling for, and, and he was this great old wise man who lived on campus, and or he lived there and he worked there and he was the head of the counseling department. He said, every day, every single day, you tell your, your fiance, your spouse, that they're beautiful. Every day. He said, whether they look beautiful to you at that moment or not, they're still beautiful because that's who they are. And he said, I want you to make sure every single day you tell them that. And we said, okay. And he said, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to find your fiancés. I'm going to tell them they look beautiful today. And if you haven't told them, you lose. And so every morning we would go running across campus, find our fiance, you look beautiful today. And we meant it. But you know what's funny? He would catch up and he would, hey, hey, I got your girl before you did today. <laughs> you know, and, and he was this sweet old man. He wasn't trying to be creepy. But he wanted to make sure that we did that every single day. And you know what that does to your spouse when you tell them that every day? 
it feeds into them. And it helps meet those needs. And we're making sure we're doing that before someone else is. Because guys, if you're not telling your girl they're beautiful, somebody out there will. I remember I worked at Target when, I was in, when Amy and I were engaged. And there was this, this young lady. She was a single mom. She'd been divorced. She worked a service counter. And so I was just trying to make a relationship with her and just talk with her, you know. And I was just being kind. And I went up to her one day, and she had, like, done makeup and stuff. I said, hey, you look nice today. Not in a at all way. I said, hey, you look nice today. And she said, thank you. And then after that, she just, she called me. She said, that meant so much to me that you would say that. You want to go out later? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> but I'm glad I, you know. But nobody had told her that. Nobody had said that to her in a long time. So, guys, if you're not saying it to your spouse, there's someone else who will. Ladies, if you're not respecting your husband, someone else will. If you're not pouring into your marriage, someone else will. And it's not always going to be good. So make sure that you're receiving your spouse as God's gift to you. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And uh, you want to add anything else before we're done? Okay. Yeah, she does a great job. So would you stand with us this morning? If you're able and you're willing, would you stand? Lord, we're so thankful for those who are married here today. We're so thankful that you put them together. Lord, for those who are single, Lord, I'm thankful that you have someone out there for them. Lord, I thank you that you created marriage, and it's your idea, and it's a beautiful thing. And I know it's tough sometimes. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. I know it's difficult, but it's your idea. And I thank you that it, out of great marriages come great kids and healthy kids, and out of great families come great leaders in the church. And, Lord, I thank you for that. And I just pray that today you'd help us today. As we're here, there are some here in, in relationships that are great and healthy, and I'm thankful for that. I know there's some here today who have come out of difficult relationships and they're hurting. Lord, I pray you would help them today. Let them know that you care so much for them. I know there's some here today who are hoping to someday find that person. Lord, would you help them to become the person you've called them to be so they can help complete that other person someday down the road. And Lord, I just pray for marriages today. Here in this room, I pray for those watching online or listening later. Lord, I pray for marriages today. I pray for those who are in a difficult spot right now, that you give them the grace. I pray for those who are in a great spot right now, that you would help us to continue to receive our spouses, God's gift to us. Because we know that you're the one that sent them to us. And when we choose them, we make them the one for us for the rest of our lives. So I just pray this morning you'd help us to act with humility towards everyone around us, but especially to our spouse, to clothe ourselves with humility, to put their needs above our own to not be selfish, to not be prideful, to not be hurtful, but to be that person. And Lord, would you help us to receive our spouse in an active way every single day? And Lord, would you help us to pray honest prayers for our spouses or our future spouses or our significant others? Or would you help us to, to bring them before you and to really pray for them and to love them and to give them to you and receive your grace in our marriages and our relationships? So that every head bowed, every eye closed today, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor X, I really need help acting in humility toward my spouse or toward my significant other. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I, I really need that. I, I'm selfish at the core, and I really want to change that. All right. 
going to pray for that. If you're here today and say, you know, I need help praying for my spouse because sometimes it's so easy to be bitter. Sometimes it's so easy to be angry. Or maybe my boyfriend or my girlfriend, it's so easy to be angry, but Lord, but I really want to pray honest prayers for them. If that's you. Would you slip your hand up? I just need help praying for my spouse because it's hard sometimes. Yeah. Have you heard you say, you know, I just really need help receiving my spouse as God's gift because sometimes I just don't see it. Would you just slip your hand up? I just, I really want help receiving my spouse. Yeah. Lord, I just pray for all these who've raised their hands today. I pray for those marriages. Lord, would you help us to act in humility towards our significant other, towards our spouse, towards our fiance? Would you help us to act in humility towards them and to serve them and put their needs above our own? Lord, would you help us today to, to really pray for our spouse, to pray for our fiancés, our significant other? Lord, would you help us to bring them before you and pray honest prayers for them, for our marriages, and to open that door for your grace to come in and give us the strength that we need. And would you help us to receive our spouse as your gift and to see them as your gift today? In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing this last song, and so give you some time to pray. And if you're married and you're here today, or if you have your significant other here today, would you grab a hand and pray for them today?